Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girls and Gears. I'm Danielle Musto, and with me today is Jill Mertingdale and Emma Higgins. Last July, Jill and Emma rode around Lake Superior, and today we are going to talk about the adventures they had and what it takes to complete a self-supported multi-day bikepacking trip like this. So, Jill and Emma, thanks for being on the show. Before we talk about your trip, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Kind of give everyone an idea about who you are. Hey, and before before we get to them, I'm going to jump in. So, one okay. of you one of you has the link open. Yep. Um, and you don't need the link to that show open. So if you called in, that's all you need is your phone. That was me. Sorry, I turned it off. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Go ahead. I had multiple computers going. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Emma, how about we start with you? Okay. Um, my name is Emma Higgins. Um, I am a writer for Grand Rapids Magazine. I've been living in America for two years now. Um I'm also a cheesemonger at Marie Catrice, so if you like cheese as well as cycling, then you should come and try some cheese sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite, I just have to ask, what's your favorite type of cheese? Um, there's this really nice goat's cheese from Indiana called Capriolo Bannon. I recommend that to anyone listening. Nice. That's available <laughs> at Marie Catrice. And then what brought you to the States, and where were you before that? Um, I came over on an exchange to GVSU for, for one semester, and I met my, he, he's now my husband now, but um, I met my husband there. Um, so yeah, that that's what initially brought me to America. And I was before, I was uh, living just north of London, um, studying at Kingston University. Nice. All right, and Jill? Um, my name is Jill, and I have lived in Grand Rapids for the last five years. I work at the Ada Bike Shop, doing sales and uh, PR and marketing type stuff. Um, I started riding my bike and doing touring and uh, bikepacking when I was in high school. My dad took me and we went on a couple of five-day trips um, just around Michigan and kind of camped along the way. So I've been doing it for about 10 years now. Nice. And then how did you guys meet? Did you meet through cycling or through a friend? We met, we met on this trip, on this on the very trip. trip. <laughs> okay, well, we'll stop yeah, right there. Oh. We'll, say, we'll oh. save that story for later. I was wondering if you guys could kind of, before we, like, delve into the, like, nitty-gritty details, if you could kind of just give us an overview of the trip, like kind of like a summary of how many miles it was and how many days. Um Jill, do you want to tell us? Sure, yeah. Um, Lake Superior is the largest of the Great Lakes. It's about uh, 1,350 miles around. We went uh, clockwise around. So we started in Marquette, did the Keweenaw Peninsula, and then, um, you know, went through Minnesota, or, sorry, the rest of Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then Ontario, back to Michigan. Um, It took us about eight days to do the trip. And we went, uh, we left on September 11th is when we actually went. So we knew it was going to be chillier when we went. Um, It was just a little bit colder than we had anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. And then whose idea was it initially to do the trip? Uh, Well, um, there were actually four of us who started out on the trip. One of the girls who came with us 
was only able to use the Keweenaw Peninsula before she had to go back to work. But the third girl, our friend Tara, uh, Tara and I had actually ridden around Lake Michigan last summer. And so uh, we had so much fun doing Lake Michigan that we had decided that we were going to do all of the Great Lakes together. So we made plans to do Lake Superior. And Emma is actually a friend of Tara's as well. So I met Emma two weeks before we went on the trip um, through Tara. And the three of us were supposed to do the whole thing. And then uh, Tara wound up hurting her knee and having to go home. Gotcha. So hence the friendship meeting. Um, Emma, mm-hmm. Jill mentioned that she had done bike packing uh, trips before. Have you done much cycling, or what's your cycling background? No, I noticed the absence of me talking about any cycling. I've all, I've always had a, a bike, and I've always used a bike to get around. Um, things in England are a lot closer together than they are here, so it was kind of my uh, my foremost mode of transport. But uh, I'd never done any really long-distance stuff. I think the most I'd done before this trip was about 35 miles. Um I kind of bought a bike quite hastily um, that isn't a touring bike either. Um, It's like an aluminium frame kind of commuter-type bike made by Giant. So I wasn't really sure uh, on seeing, you know, Jill's bike and Tara's bike, these nice steel frame things, that uh, mine was really going to make it round. But, um, (laughs) yeah, my experience is very limited. Okay. So when uh, your friend Tara invited you on the trip, how much time did you have to prepare for the trip? That's a good question. Uh, I feel like we had a, we had a little while. Um, okay. There must have been a few months because I didn't have a bike at that point. And I just, I really, really wanted to do it. And I'm, I'm quite fit and I've always been quite into exercise. So it's something that I thought I could physically probably do. Um, and then as, as the time got closer, I began to panic more and more because I felt so out of my depth in terms of, like, experience and equipment and stuff, but, yeah. Okay. I know that feeling. I have that feeling at races sometimes, especially in the beginning where you show up and look around and you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, I'm glad it wasn't a race. Yeah, that would have been terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are a lot of bike races that are, you know, self-supported, like the Tour Divide and I did a ride, you know, that are more – I mean, self-supported, but people are trying to, you know, break records. And I was just kind of wondering how you guys did map this out. I mean, obviously, this wasn't a race. It was a tour. But did you plan, like, that you wanted to do a certain amount of miles each day? Or did you have any goals? Or were you just like, we're going to go off and just end up, you know, back in the States whenever? Uh, Before we went on the trip, I kind of looked at a map of Lake Superior and mapped out along different roads that had for cycling or just kind of through Google Maps looked as though it would be all right to ride on. And so I had this whole itinerary set up of how many miles we were going to ride a day. We were going to shoot for anywhere between 60 and 90 miles a day, depending on the elevation. Um, but when we first started riding, there were just a couple of things that we ran into that kind of slowed us down in the beginning of the trip. Or uh, there were days when we felt better and the weather was better and we were able to ride further than we had mapped out. So even though we had an itinerary, we sort of um, just kind of used it very loosely and sort of mapped it out as we went. I would say that we, um, after after Tara left, we kind of, we didn't flounder for a couple of days, but I think that we, we did start to, um, as it got nearer to the end of the trip and we started to kind of get a little bit more desperate to maybe finish the trip, um, we did start to 
become a little bit more militant about our schedule as well. You know, we kind of mapped out how many miles and we, we would do those miles. Like, there wasn't really any divergence for the second half. Okay. And where did you say that you started out from again? Um, well, we, we started, we stayed in a in Marquette, um, but we actually left from, uh, we left, Jenny was the fourth girl who came with us. We left her car oh. in Lance, Michigan, and um, rode up the Keweenaw Peninsula from there. Okay, gotcha. And then I, just to talk about gear a bit, I'm wondering when you do like a trip like this, do you kind of divvy up like who's going to bring what, or how did you plan for what kind of gear you were going to bring? We uh we did meet up beforehand to talk about who's got a camp stove, who has you know the cookware. We all brought our own silverware. We divvied up the tent. So Tara uh, would take the tarp one night, and then I would take you know the rain fly, and then Emma would take like the poles and everything. And then when it was just the two of us, Emma and I divvied that up pretty well. Um, and then we split up our food as well and, and carried that as evenly as we possibly could. Okay. And Emma, you mentioned that you had more of like a cruiser bike. Um, I'm just wondering kind of how you carried the gear. Um, you, like, it was, it's a, it's like a, it just like is a road bike, uh, sort of okay. like a hybrid type thing um, with different tires on it that Jill helped me out with. Um, and I did manage to fix like a, um, a, like a, I'm trying to think of the name now. I don't know why it's completely eluding me. Um <laughs> I have like a rack on the back. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of I I didn't I I handed the bike over to Jill and she took basically like turned it around and then gave it back to me like a few weeks later and it was ready. <laughs> Essentially. I, I just kept calling Emma and telling her how much money she owed me and then pretty much <laughs> yeah, did what I could to make her be ready. So I was so grateful and I just didn't know her at all. So it was just like you know she kind of saved my life really. Yeah. Well, I can't, I imagine that doing a trip like this is pretty expensive unless you've invested in the gear beforehand. Yeah. Uh, um. So how much clothing did you guys bring for travel? I mean, just to plan for all the different elements. I am. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. It's just that I, it's just that I didn't bring a waterproof with me, and it rained like thirty percent of the time. So, oh no, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I brought uh, I brought two pairs of of uh, bicycle or bicycle shorts with me, and two jerseys, uh, two pairs of sports bras, um, like three or four different pairs of socks, and then I brought a pair of sandals and my cycling shoes. Um, actually, a week into the trip, when we were uh, or it was probably more like five days into the trip. We were in Ironwood, Michigan, and it was starting to get really, really cold. And I realized mm-hmm. that I didn't have any base layer, and I I didn't have any, like, uh, weatherproof pants. Um, and my gloves, I had lost them already five days into the trip. So we actually stopped at a thrift store in Ironwood and got, like, wool sweaters and uh, rain jackets, whatever we could find, um, just to kind of help keep us warm because we had kind of underpacked. Um, but I also accidentally took my swimsuit with me. For some reason, I thought it would be warm enough to swim, and I don't know why I thought in September that I would be able to do that. Well, there there are times in Michigan where it is that hot. It's just you never know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, yeah. too, and, after um, a, what was that? Oh, uh, go ahead. I can say what I was going to say after. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say after, you know, we have so many nice days, like day after day in the summer, that sometimes when it gets cold, we forget how quickly it gets cold, especially up north. I feel like there are a few months, like, if it's July here, it's already, like, October there. (laughs) Yeah, um, I had also looked up the weather for um, what time we were going to be up in Ontario, and it actually said that it was supposed to be, like, record dry for the season, and it was supposed to be, like, unusually warm. So I thought that I had prepared myself, and then we got up there, and it just was really cold and rainy and really windy. It seems, too, like, I mean, I'm sure Emma would probably agree since she didn't bring rain gear, but even no matter what the weather seems like, like, rain gear is probably, like, one of the top things from biking and packing that you would want to bring. I've never been, so I don't know, but is that what you guys find, like, rain gear for everything? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even um, my rain jacket, I wound up wearing it on the windy, really cold days just because it was an extra layer of insulation. Gotcha. Emma, what was the one, was rain gear probably the one thing that you wished you would have known of beforehand? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I brought a rain jacket, but it was it was so big that it was my husband's and it ended up acting as like a sail. So I uh, <laughs> ended up trading, trading in my jacket with Tara when she left and I guess hers wasn't wasn't waterproof, um, and I thought I thought it was, and I just remember the wearing it and be and in the rain, and then suddenly being like, oh, my arms were really cold, and then like pulling up the sleeve and just being sodden, and there's nothing worse, than, you know, obviously like being wet and then not knowing you're not going to get an opportunity to perhaps dry off for the next like four days, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's a horrible feeling. So yeah, rain gear is is very important. By the way, these are sympathy laughs that I'm giving you, not like, ha-ha. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk more about the direction that you guys chose. Um, why did you go the way that you did instead of, like, going through Canada first? I was just kind of wondering if one way is better than the other, or is that the recommended route? Um, we found a lot of different literature or a bunch of different blogs of people writing in both directions, and we didn't really find one solid answer of where the headwind or the tailwind would be. Uh, the reason why we thought it might be a good decision to ride Canadian, well, ride Michigan a few days in the U.S. days and then go for a week and then back to Michigan was solely for the fact that if we were to break down or if we did need to be skewed, I thought it would be a lot on the U.S. side. So I wanted to get Canada done as soon as possible um, so that we could get back to Michigan. Okay. That makes sense. Was crossing the border hard at all um emma if you want to answer that one um yeah we rolled into the border like we thought that we were going to be going for a lot um i had my passport out i had my like special green card thing which is like this person could be readmitted into america like you know i was really prepared and then yeah no they barely looked at us at all they did um take away jill's mace that she had well they asked us uh the one question they asked us really was uh do you have any mace? And then, do you plan to be using it on on humans or animals? And so we what? were like, is this a tr- is this a trick question? Like, I mean, humans, I suppose, you know. And then uh, they were like, you can only use it on animals. You can only use it on bears. And so, uh, yeah, we ended up um, having to give that away. But other than that, no, the border crossing was really smooth. It wasn't busy, um, and it was it was much easier than I had anticipated, personally. Mm. That's good. I've I've had experiences where it's really easy to get through and other experiences where it's just like a few hours wait. And I can't oh, imagine really? being on a bike doing that, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said it took how much? Eighteen days for the entire trip. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, when you guys were traveling at night, how did you spend many nights in hotels, or how did that break down? Because initially, was well, the trip to camp the entire time, or did you have plans to actually yep, yep. like stay? Okay, go the on. You get the, you get the draft. draft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the plan was to camp out the entire way. Uh, however, sometimes when you're traveling, if you run into like a nice stranger and they offer up their backyard or their living room floor, like, we were really happy to grab those just because it meant a warm shower and it meant easier pack up in the morning. Uh, so there were a couple nights that we stayed uh, in Marquette. We stayed on a friend's floor. And then uh, in Houghton, we stayed with a woman that we met outside of a food, a food co-op. And then in Duluth, we stayed with another couple that we met outside of a food co-op. Uh, so that was kind of like a safe, nice place for us to meet people. Um, but we stayed in motels two of the nights, and those were mostly the days when we had ridden further than we expected, and we had felt good when we came across the campground and thought that we could keep pushing onwards. And then, you know, we would start riding, and it would start to get dark, or it would start to start to rain, and then we would, you know, uh, not be able to place where we could stealth camp um, just because it, it wound up being hunting season when we were in Ontario, so we were kind of afraid to, to go stealth camping some of the spots, uh, but we stayed in two motels, one outside of Thunder Bay, and then the other one was in White River, Ontario, and uh, it was mostly, you know, dark by the time we decided to throw in the towel and stay in a motel, but it was also really glorious, too, because we got to relax and watch TV and take hot showers. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine that'd be awesome. Did, now, did you have lights so that you could ride at night, or did you have any night riding experiences at all where you just couldn't make it to your destination in time? Um, we had one. No, we had yeah. a... Oh, sorry, go on, a... Emma. Sorry. No, I just, I, I only, Joe might have more memories than I do, but I feel <laughs> like I only, uh, I only remember one distinct, like, extended night riding um, period, which was uh, in the, on the way into Tequamanon Falls, I think. Like that was the only time I remember actually using the lights as like to to be able to like see where we were going, you know. Um, and that yeah. wasn't particularly long. We usually make we usually like made it to where we were going by like six, seven, and we would have enough time to usually kind of we try and set up with like a little bit of light. We often set up in the dark, so I would say at least fifty percent of the time, probably. Yeah, um, we had really nice lights with us. I had the Surface 500 Plus headlight with me. It was um, it was really bright and really nice to have. Around Lake Michigan, Tara and I did a lot of night riding, uh, so I wanted to upgrade my lights from then. So we were able to see a bit, but mm-hmm. by the time you know the sun started going down, we were just so exhausted. Like uh, when we stayed in the motel outside of Thunder Bay, Ontario, we had already ridden like 102 miles that day. And so we were just getting just really exhausted and uh, just, you know, ready to stop riding for the night. We had actually seen that the next campground would have been another 20 miles away by the time it was dark. So um, we decided to, you know, try to find a cheap motel to stay in. And we actually checked, like, three different motels before we found one that was cheap enough to stay at. So, Gotcha. What, Jill, what was your longest day, like, you're the most amount of mileage that you did during the trip. I think it was that day that we rode from Split Rock Lighthouse to Thunder Bay, Ontario. Or wait, um, actually, I think it was Grand Marais, Ontario, or sorry, Grand Marais, Minnesota, 
to Thunder Bay, Ontario was the longest day, and that was about 102 miles. Nice. And then what was your shortest day? <laughs> oh, dude. Maybe, um, I don't know, the day Tara left, or? I think, I think it was the day that we rode. Um, the day Tara left, we were able to kind of make up for lost time. But the day that we rode into Duluth, I want to say we only rode like 40 or 50 miles. And I think that was our shortest day. Okay. And Tara was initially going to do the whole trip with you, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, she had an injury that she couldn't complete it? Her knee um, started hurting her and giving her a lot of a lot of problems. I think uh, it was either tendonitis or um, something, but it just it, it caused her a lot of pain, and we could see that she was really hurting, and it was a really big decision for her to decide to go home. She had wanted to finish the trip so bad, and, and we wanted her to be there, so it was it was kind of a difficult decision. And then plus it was kind of hard because Emma and I had just met each other, and we had just spent, you know, about a week together kind of getting to know each other. So right. there was one moment when we actually looked at each other, and it was just kind of like, do you trust him? Do you want to keep going? I don't really know you, but maybe we should. So um, <laughs> we actually became really good friends uh, just because it was it wound up being the two of us on the trip. That's good because, I mean, in the wrong circumstances, it probably could have ended <laughs> poorly. It could have ended terribly. It was either going to go. Speaking of which, I mean, was there ever a time, and you guys can be honest with me, <laughs> the other, I'm sure, were, was there ever a time where you got annoyed with one another? Because there's plenty of times when I'm riding with a friend where if I feel horrible and they're super chipper, I just get mad at them, even though I like them. Like, Emma, was there ever a time where you wanted to tell Jill to, like, be quiet or Jill? Was there ever a time when you got <laughs> annoyed with Emma? I mean, that's I a long like, time to spend with someone. I think I I think I, I probably, and Jill's never, ever, like, said this to me, but I feel like I probably held Jill back at, at points. Not massively, <laughs> but I think that she probably could have gone a little bit quicker than she was, you know. Um, I mean, I would catch up. Jill needed to take a lot of wee breaks. So I usually managed to catch up when she was doing that. Um, but no, I could, I could. Uh, Jill was just like a ray of light every day. Like she didn't annoy me. She was just always lending me stuff and helping me out. And yeah, I'm very thankful that she was there. But we didn't have any like fallings out. It was crazy. I don't no, know how we managed it. No. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I kept thinking that just the two of us, and we were so far away from home in Canada, which is just so. Like, there was not a lot of things up in, in Ontario. Uh, and so whenever we would start having a rough patch um, with just, like, terrible weather or whatever, I just kept thinking, like, if I let Emma know that I'm losing it right now, then we're not going to finish the trip. Like, we will both have a mental breakdown. So I just kept sitting around, like, um, you know, a smile and pretending like I was having a time of my life. Uh, and I was for the most part. But uh, there was one time, uh, one of the first days that we were in Canada, when Emma started getting kind of panicky and nervous because we couldn't we couldn't use our cell phones at all and we couldn't find like internet anywhere, so there was just no way to contact anyone for the first couple of days. And uh, we were on the side of the road next to an abandoned gas station. All the windows were broken. There were like needles on the concrete where we were trying to escape from the wind, and uh, it was just really scary. And Emma started getting a migraine and uh, couldn't really ride just because her head was hurting her so much. 
And I remember just going through my bag and finding, like, cliff shot blocks and, like, hammer electrolyte pills and my vitamins and, like, melatonin and just, like, trying to give her anything that would make her feel better and just less panicky. Um, melatonin on the fuel. trying to make you fall asleep, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, we no, we found a cure for my for migraines, and we should have remembered the exact like mixture of pills I took because it worked yeah. really, really well. I mean, I was sleepy for a while. You're right, but <laughs> 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 I I kind of made it. I didn't have yeah, my migraine completely cleared up. It was crazy. Yeah, that was probably a very that was a very low point. But we saw a bottle. You need a vitamin again well. then. Uh, melatonin. I know. Cliff shot. <laughs> what was it? Cliff shot. <laughs> Electrolyte, yeah, it was like ibuprofen. Merk at that. Uh, oh, yeah. When, you know, when you were talking about being at the deserted gas station, it kind of just made me um, think about talking to Esther when I was talking to her about, like, doing the tour divide and just about feeling vulnerable as women. And mm-hmm. you guys did have each other, of course, for backup, um, but your mace was taken away. And I'm, I guess I just wonder, like, how often did you, did you ever feel like true? I mean, like like something might be dangerous, or did you ever feel like there were a lot of creepers around, or did you do anything else <laughs> to like you know protect yourself? Because Emma, you are I think you alone just, on the road. Yeah, that Emma, was I think that you was one. Tim. Huh? What Jill? You should explain Tim to everyone. Me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell us, Tim. Emma. Tim, Tim is the only, like, bona fide creeper that we had on the trip. And he he started off, he, he gave us a ride. It was a day that had been exceptionally windy, and it was so windy that we could, we literally couldn't ride. And we made it 35 miles, which I'm really surprised about. And uh, we were hitchhiking for hours, and like, literally about three hours, and nobody was even kind of, like, slowing down. And then he stopped, and it turned out that he had been doing a big a big ride as well and he was really sympathetic and he kind of gave us this ride to um to this campground which was great and then uh he wanted to have lunch with us before he carried on on his way um and so we were fine with that uh him having lunch with us and then lunch just like kind of turned into dinner as well and he was just hanging out and he was just like still there and then i don't know joe you can finish <laughs> wait <final yeah>. hour. <laughs> Just a quick question: Was this in Canada? Where was this? Yeah, yeah it was in Ontario. Um, okay. We had actually were trying to ride our bikes uh, along the. We were very close to the shoreline, over by the uh, Lake Superior Provincial Park, and it was so windy and stormy that we were like pedaling in our granny gears going downhill. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we'd go past, and we would get blown off of our bikes and just like knocked over and like on the gravel. Got to get back up and pick up your bike and start riding again. We actually had Wait, a top, uh, I know you mentioned this before, but you actually, I mean, like, that's really windy to actually be yeah. blown off of your yeah. bike. Was and, uh, that the, the first time that, that had happened to you guys? It had like, been it, windy before, uh huh. but that was by far the windiest day. And Emma, and was, as someone um, who's a little newer to, like, bike touring, like, what was going through your mind when you were like, I am... I've just got blown off of my bike, and I'm like on the ground. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was amazed that we had gotten that far. I mean, I just, I, I'd shouted, actually screamed at a man earlier in the day because for some reason, every single person that we encountered that morning before we, it was really windy, and we knew it was really windy, but we had to try, you know, and get as far as we could. And uh, right. a man, at, a man at a gas station had probably the 15th person to be like, it's a bit windy today to be riding a bike, isn't it? You know, and I just completely lost it. I was like, we know, like, nobody will give us a ride. So <laughs> unless you can give us a ride, just, like, leave us alone. And 
Um, so I don't know. I was surprised we made it as far as we did. Yeah, we were just coming down this hill, and the lake was like right in front of us, and the, the wind coming off the lake and everything. Just yeah, that was it. We we realized then that we couldn't really ride any further that day, probably. And so you guys both just landed on the ground at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> we looked across. <laughs> And I, I, I remember mean, looking back at me and yelling, Emma, and then seeing that she was on the ground as well. I can see this in, like being in a movie. <laughs> it sounds so bad. Really okay, Joe, go on with the story about Tim the Creeper. Oh, okay. So, Tim, uh, we were we had actually found, like, a clubhouse at this campground that had heaters inside of it and a bunch of VHS tapes and, like, two bathrooms and couches and all this great stuff. So we were, you know, warming up inside of it and being really excited. And Tim then asked if uh, he can sleep in our tent with us that night. <laughs> and we were just kind of like, oh, no, sorry. Like, we're, this is a bonding experience. Like, it's just us. And he just kind of kept pushing forward, saying that he really wanted to sleep in the tent with us. And we were just kind of like, our boyfriends wouldn't like it, our husbands wouldn't <laughs> like it, and just, like, making all these excuses. So he uh, he walked outside and hadn't disappeared for a while, and we kind of thought, you know, maybe he was just, like, getting ready to leave. And he had come back in, and he was like, hey, I have the woman from the campground on the phone. She's willing to refund our money and put it towards a cabin. We can all stay in a cabin tonight. And we were just kind of like, no, it's the same thing as the tent. <laughs> and he was like, we, space? we can sleep in different rooms. And we just kept telling him no. And finally he got that we were really serious about not staying with him and and he got very offended and started to cry. Um, so that was really awkward. And then he, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. Uh, and then he, like, silently got all of his things together, but he was making, like, a very, like, he was quiet, but he was making a very loud, angry racket and, like, washing his dishes and packing up his car and all sorts of stuff. So it was, it was really awkward. And then we were kind of nervous the whole night that he was going to come back for us. But he didn't. <laughs> he was he wasn't a bad person, but I I just you know it was it was his persistence that just then started to become it was just too persistent you know and 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 it started to become the situation where that obviously as it was out of season there wasn't really anyone else around so you, and and then obviously felt very very vulnerable because you know there was really nothing that we could do and we were, he knew where we were staying <laughs> you know but, <laughs> right and so and Joe didn't have mace anymore because it was taken away. Yeah, we, uh, we had a very small we paring knife. Oh, what was that? What was that? I had a, I had a tiny knife for cutting vegetables. That was pretty <laughs> much our only weapon. And we had a, a foghorn as well, um, just because macing in Canada was very expensive. So I, I spent like ten dollars on fog, like a marine horn <laughs> to scare any animals that might come near. <laughs> hey Tim, no means no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more. Um, sorry, I just got completely blown away by that story. <laughs> I lost all track of. I lost track of everything else I was going to ask you. But um, did uh, when you were going into this trip to, just wondering for like touring, are you guys pretty good at fixing bikes? Like for other people who are planning bike tours, like, mechan- you know, planning for mechanicals, what did you bring with you? Uh, I brought a multi-tool with me, a spare chain, um, some extra cleats in case somehow, for some reason, I, I broke the cleats on the bottom of my shoes. Um, what else did I bring? I brought lube, um, 
some extra screws and bolts in case I needed to fix anything, um, and a little bit of rubbing alcohol just because my bike has disc brakes on it, and I wanted to make sure that I could, you know, clean them if they got really dirty or anything like that. Um, and I I know a, a little bit how to how to fix my bike, like if the chain breaks, or I know how to adjust my derailleurs uh, or adjust my my um, my disc brakes. Um, and uh, I think Emma felt kind of comfortable coming on the trip because I, I knew a little bit of maintenance and how to keep my bike running smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I would I've, recommend being... Oh, go ahead. What was that, uh, I, I was just going to say I brought a multi-tool, a very poor quality multi-tool, <laughs> and uh, then just presumed that uh, if anything went wrong that Jill would be able to help me. And I knew that we were <laughs> going to be passing through... We passed through a lot of places where there were actually like bike, really good bike shops, so we were quite lucky in that respect. So I needed a few repairs, and um, and so yeah, everything was kind of a lot more accessible in that respect. That was one thing that I felt like we weren't too let down on. There were a lot of bike shops around. That's nice, just for peace of mind. Like worst case scenario, you walk or hitchhike. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was that your first time hitchhiking? Just out of curiosity, because I think I would be afraid to hitchhike, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I I have hitchhiked before, mostly when my car would run out of gas. Uh, that happens okay. to me quite a bit. <laughs> but I've never actually hitchhiked like, longer distances with um, a bike with me, just because I feel like that's such a large item to try to fit in somebody's car. Okay. And you, Emma, have you hitchhiked before? I, I hadn't. I never. I hadn't. Uh, hitchhiked before the trip, but I had hitched. We hitchhiked on the trip before that as well with a man who was probably the nicest man in the world. And I think that we were a little bit became a little bit complacent. I'm not kidding. Like he literally was probably the nicest man in the world. And uh, I think he kind of tricked us. We're a little bit of a false sense of security. And I think that um, not that there was anything outwardly about him that made him seem <laughs> especially clingy, but he just. <laughs> He did become more and more clingy as the as the trip went on. So yeah, you do have to be you do have to be careful. Um, and I I normally am a very cautious person, so I'm kind of surprised that uh, we were desperate that day. <laughs> really desperate. Right. Well, if you're I mean if you're like lying on your stomach on a highway side, I mean that's pretty desperate time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So when you traveled. What, how did you carry, like, food, water? What what did you plan, like, calorie-wise each day? Do you want to um, talk about that, Jill? And then Emma, sure. can add? Okay. We kind of planned. Um, we didn't really take into account calories um, just because, well, I uh, I pretty much just eat when I'm hungry, and I, I try to put, you know, healthy things into my body. Uh, so what we kind of planned on was we would wake up and eat oatmeal for breakfast, and we would put a bunch of trail mix, and, uh, like, a banana or apple or peanut butter in there. And then we would ride for about an hour and a half or two hours. And then we would eat second breakfast, which would be, like, a snack bar, maybe, like, an apple or a banana um, or cliff shot block. And then uh, we would ride for, like, another two hours and stop and eat lunch. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then another, like, two hours and stop and eat a snack. And then another two hours and dinner. And uh, Emma actually started calling me second dinner Jill. Just because two dinner jail. <laughs> I'm sorry, two dinner jail. Uh, because we would we would eat around five or six o'clock. We would eat like a larger dinner, and then when we got to our campsite around eight o'clock, 
we would eat another dinner. Uh, we were just eating so much on the trip. Um, but, you know, we were looking at some of the calories or the protein that was in the food that we were eating and would try to get, you know, at least 10 or 11 or 12 grams of protein or calories to keep us keep us running. Gotcha. And, um, Emma, do you have any, like, special diet that you follow? Because I know, Jill, you're, like, almost 100% vegan, correct? Mm-hmm. Are yeah, we, I, I, yeah, Emma? Oh, I um, I kind of started following a, a pescatarian diet, so I just kind of eat, I just eat fish as, in, in terms of meat, and I also hadn't really been eating any fish because I hadn't been able to find any for a long time, so... Um, so yeah, we both we mainly did the trip vegan and vegetarian, um, with the odd like baked good thrown in there just for good measure. <laughs> and we didn't ask what the ingredients were in those. We were really sad and we just wanted a donut. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um I don't know, it was it was like Jill says, like quite intuitive in terms of how much we're eating. Um, I felt like we stopped more than every two. Like we would, we, we would. The morning would be good, you know. As Jill says, we would have oatmeal and then we would have a couple of hours and then we would snack and then we would stop for lunch. But yeah, we were eating pretty constantly. Um, we got through a lot of snack bars and stuff on that trip. And we tried to keep into account too how much water we were going to need to cook any food. Um, so like I had three water bottles on my bike, but I also had a bladder with me to fill with extra water. Uh, I also took a water filter with us just in case we needed to, you know, stop and filter any water from a stream or anything like that. But we were pretty good at, you know, um, keeping track of how much water we needed and, and thinking ahead to how much water we needed to boil in order to heat up, like, rice noodles or something like that. Okay. And did you feel, like, on the trip, too, I mean, was it hard finding, like, food that was vegan? Or did you carry a lot of packets with you of, like, oatmeal and everything? We carried or a lot of packets with us. Uh-huh. And did you stop um, at restaurants as well? Like, I mean, you, were you able to hit up restaurants at good times? There was um, there was one time when we stopped at Burger King, and that was in Ironwood, Michigan, when we stopped to get warmer clothes, um, mm-hmm. just because we were kind of trying to decide, you know, um, what pace we were going to be able to go on. Uh, Tara was, was still with us at that time. It was starting to get colder. Um, so it was just kind of like a deciding point. So we sat in Burger King and got veggie burgers and french fries and, and kind of tried to discuss what we were going to do there. Um, and then for the, you know, for the rest of the trip, we ate at, um, we ate at Robin's, which is kind of like a Tim Hortons. Um, <laughs> we didn't <laughs> eat at Robin's. I mean, <laughs> we got like... We would get donuts there. <laughs> yeah, we would get donuts. I want to stress we didn't, but we didn't eat, we didn't like eat meals at Robin's because that place Yeah, is... no, it was a snack. I was saying I don't even, I've never seen a Robins. Oh. Is that, was that through the United States or in Canada? No, that was in Ontario. Um, okay. It was kind of like a 7-Eleven mixed with a Tim Hortons. Um, and the slogan was the best part of every day, which is like actually rang true for Emma and I for a while just because it meant, like it was open for 24 hours. And it was warm, and they had coffee. Um, and then uh, they actually had a contest going on. If you rolled up the top of your coffee cup, you could potentially win either, like, another cup of coffee or, like, $3,000. So we just kept, like, daydreaming. <laughs> like, it just became like, a steady conversation throughout the day, like, uh, if you win, what are you going to buy? <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. So, throughout the trip, if you don't mind my, me asking, um, were you guys both on paid vacations or unpaid vacations? Unpaid vacations for me. Unpaid vacations. How much yeah. did this cost to do this trip? Um, I think we had estimated that it would cost about $300 to do. Um, okay. And I think it wound up, Emma, what do you think? Do you think it was more like 350 or 400 yeah, it probably we went over budget a bit, um, yeah. but it kind of it was. I mean, I had to buy the bike and everything as well, so I probably I probably ended up spending about a thousand dollars altogether, um, which actually still to me doesn't seem that bad. Um, I was also mm-hmm. on unpaid vacation, but yeah, it was probably about three hundred to four hundred dollars on like food and and accommodation and stuff. Yeah, we now, actually um what. One thing we ran into was that we actually had to pay the same amount to stay at a campground that, like, a giant RV would have to pay, and I think we expected it to be a little bit less expensive. Uh, we ran into some campgrounds that expected us to pay, like, $30 a night, and we thought that was just really outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, for two bikes. For two bikes, little... yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Did you guys yeah. ever camp not at campgrounds like did you <laughs> did you ever find spot? <laughs> well not to uh not to tattle on ourselves um, uh-huh. but we would wait until you know it would start to get dark and the sun would go down and then mm-hmm. we would sneak into a campground and stay the night stay the night there um there were a couple times when we when we stealth camped um like outside of the Feeney uh refuge the wildlife refuge in in the upper peninsula we stayed outside of the visitor center that was open 24 hours. So we, you know, just kind of walked into the woods behind a truck stop and, and set up our camp. Um, but mostly we would, you know, find a campground and just kind of try to sneak in unnoticed. We did also stealth camp one night on the beach um, oh, yep. at Wawa, <laughs> which, which, was, which was terrifying because we had been told, like, prior to that that there were black bears. Um, there were a lot of black bears around that night. Um, and that there was like a particularly large one in in like the town, and uh, that we should be careful where we stayed. But there were no offers of like a backyard or anything to stay in. Um, and so yeah, that was that was a really terrifying stealth camping experience. We kind of wanted the police to find us, I think, and that <laughs> and just take <laughs> us in. <laughs> so take you to jail for the night. So yeah. yeah, that would have been luxury, I think, probably. Yeah, that, that, um, I think that would be very hard to sleep. Like I would constantly be. I mean, any sound, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, it's the bear that they would talk that they were talking about," and I don't have my mace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was terrible. We we kind of had expected that we were going to stealth camp a little bit more, but mm-hmm. just because of the weather and because it was hunting season and because we knew the bears were a little bit crazy at that time of year, I think you know we felt a little bit safer staying in the campground just because, uh, like, a couple places places we thought have bear boxes, um, and then just having, you know, people around and just felt a little bit safer than just being out in the middle of nowhere with, you know, potential bears around. Right. Um, I did a quick Google search of tours around the Great Lakes, and I typed in, you know, Lake Superior and um, a website for um, a women's touring group popped up. And guess how much it cost to do what you guys did? How much? $4,990. Oh, my goodness. We could, we could run a cheaper one than that. Jill, let's you do could. it. We could. 
And and I and I certainly am not bashing this women's touring group at all because in I think in 2015 they um, are doing a um, a tour around the Big Island in Hawaii and I was like yes how do I become a guide for them but basically, <laughs> basically what they do is um it's an all women's group and you know um, they take everyone from you know beginner to advanced and I think is definitely a lot more comfy than what you guys did. You know, they have, like, a place for you to sleep every night. They give you breakfast and dinner. Um, Tim the Crier is optional. You have to pay a little extra for him. <laughs> you have to pay extra for him. But, but so I, I think you guys, I mean, for the amount of money that you did it with, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was not comfortable by any means, but it was definitely I a... Mean, uh, it was I kind of like a pilgrimage. With me, I felt at night, aside from Did being you? really cold tonight. Oh yeah, no, it was, <laughs> my sleeping pad started going down a little bit. Actually, I borrowed Tara's in the end, which was good. But yeah, once you fall asleep, um, then you're fine, aren't you? <laughs> that is true. Now, did you guys find that it was harder to sleep as the trip went on, just because you know your body gets kind of, I mean, your muscles hurt and ache more? And sometimes that can be harder when you're riding a bike all day. Like, did you find that was actually easier to sleep, or did you have some nights where it was hard? I never found it hard to sleep. I I think we were always so exhausted um, that we just, yeah, we fell asleep pretty quickly. Unless it was, like, even fear couldn't keep us awake, really. And then and then we, <laughs> we both seemed to sort of wake up. At, we had to set an alarm, obviously, because we, we always wanted to get up super early and get going, but... Um, no, sleep was never an issue for me, personally. I um, uh, One thing that I noticed when riding is, like, the first day that you ride, you get kind of sore, and then, like, the second day that you ride, your muscles kind of have, like, that achy, like, burning feeling in them, but by the time the third day rolls around, your body is just to it, mm-hmm. and your lungs feel nice and big, and, like, happy to breathe in all of the air. So, um, like, I didn't really feel that my body was that sore. If anything, like, my shoulders were starting to get a little achy, um, but we started taking Arnica, was recommended to us. Um, they stayed at in Duluth, Minnesota, and it, it kind of made my muscles feel pretty good. So um, I was able to sleep fine every night. Okay, I've heard that about Arnica, too. I've never taken it, but I've heard that it helps your muscles, like, recover faster. So, Emma, when you think back to the trip, what was, like, was there one moment that just stands above all of the others for favorite moments? Oh, it was in favorite. Um, there are a lot of really great moments um, on the trip. I I feel like completing it, I remember quite vividly us kind of being like, well, I guess we've done it, like, and just sort of rolling down into Marquette and just kind of, feeling this huge sense of achievement and also just this weird sense of sadness like this bittersweet kind of like goodbye because you suddenly realize that you're done and you, you're racing towards this end point you know and you kind of really just wanted it to be over when we were in Canada because we were so cold and so miserable and people were so <laughs> unsympathetic and unimpressed by us but uh but no it was a really lovely day the day we finished was really beautiful it was really sunny and, uh, yeah did you really find that to be the case that, I mean, you keep mentioning that the Canadians were unsympathetic, but did you fi- did you see a difference between, like, the way that you were treated between the United States and Canada? 
I think, I think well, a lot we, of it had to do with the weather, too, just because when we were in Canada, it was, like, stormy and gross and cloudy and rainy and windy and nobody wanted to go outside um, versus mm-hmm. when we were on the Michigan side or, you know, in Minnesota, it was, like, beautiful blue skies, nice weather, sunshiny, everything is green and beautiful or the trees were changing colors and it was just, like, full of, of really pretty stuff um, versus Canada was just kind of crap weather. Okay. And what about you, Jill? Did you have a moment that when you think back, you're like, that was such a great moment? I know in, <laughs> um, in 18 days, it's hard to pick one, but... Yeah. Uh, the the most exciting thing, I, I think, for me is that I was so excited to see, like, bear, moose, or wolves on the trip. Like, I was really, really excited to see wildlife. And we did see a lot of eagles and a lot of birds. Um, but there was one day when we were riding... And it was actually uh, the day that we were headed to Marquette, and I was kind of bummed out because we didn't see, you know, a whole lot of wildlife. And we were riding, and the entire trip we had actually joked about, you know, what would you do if you saw a wolf? And I, I kept thinking I would be quiet. I would, like, silently reach for my, like, camera and, like, be able to take a picture of it. Or or I would, like, somehow signal to Emma that I saw, like, this wildlife creature, and it would just be, like, this great, glorious moment. Um, but really what happened is we were riding, and I looked over, and I saw a wolf on the side of the road, and it was just kind of, like, staring at me, and I got so excited that I started yelling and, like, waving my arms and just, like, yelling for Emma to look at it, and I scared the wolf, and it got, like, really afraid and ran away, um, so I was, like, kind of sad because I wasn't able to take a picture of it, but then we heard it kind of join up with the rest of its pack, and all the wolves started running through the woods, and you couldn't see them, but you could hear, like, you could hear them running through the woods and, like, crunching on leaves and, like, breaking twigs and stuff as they ran. And then they all started uh-huh. howling. And it was just really, really neat and scary because it was, like, 8 a.m. So, I, you know, I never thought I would see a wolf in broad daylight, but it was just a really, really awesome moment of the trip. That seems really cool. I have never seen one, and I would love to. It like, was, it was really great. But I just Ugh. kind of felt like such a fool because I, instead of, you know, being all quiet and, like, trying to get, like, Emma's attention, I just started yelling like an idiot because I was so excited. I just couldn't contain it. I would do the same thing. Did you you see any moose when you were on the trip? (laughs) No, we definitely don't. Okay. (laughs) We saw saw a taxidermied moose in Wawa, which was just really disheveled looking. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that's safer than it seeing a live one anyways. I heard that they are one of the most dangerous animals to run into. I think they're, bit, they're quite cumbersome, I think. Like cumbersome as in slow? Oh, well, just, I don't know if they have, they, they tend to run towards things, don't they? Or that, I mean, they're dangerous if you're driving. I'm not, maybe they'd charge somebody on a bicycle as well. I, it was huge. <laughs> No, I think that they do. If you ever see one on your next trip, Emma, bike away. I'm not kidding. I've heard that they, like, can be headed. <laughs> bike away. Emma. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to pass it or anything. I hope I'm not making this up about, like, like this horrible, like, lie about moose, but I think I heard that they are, like, they're, that they're aggressive. They are America's hippopotamus. Like, there were a lot of caution signs in Canada that had, like, the silhouette of a moose and it said, night danger, underneath the sign. That was just very scary to see when we were riding. See? <laughs> I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so what's next for both of you? Are you doing another trip together? 
Uh, yeah, we're gonna do Lake Ontario in July, um, and then I'm I'm gonna try to keep making Emma come with me for the rest of the Great Lakes. Uh, she kind of pretends like maybe she won't be living in Michigan or maybe she won't be able to come with, but I'm hoping that uh, Ontario will just be a lot of fun and that she'll want to come with me or on the other two after that one. Because it's a big deal to complete all five, isn't it? Don't you get, like, a massive certificate? <laughs> I don't know. A, I don't a know. huge certificate. <laughs> I think I have to go... I'll make you one. I think I think I have to go back and do Lake Michigan by myself, so that's the problem in order to complete all uh, of them. So I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get that huge certificate. Well, I think I know someone who might want to do it with you, and his name is Tim. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> oh no! All right, you guys threw me off with that story so much. Like, I don't know if you like. Half of the questions I wanted to ask you went straight out the window, and half of the time when you were talking, I was laughing <laughs> because I could not get this idea of, like, some guy named Tim crying in front of you. I wish I could have had a picture of your faces. <laughs> he yeah, it he gave us his insane. business card, and he just, you know, he had these great glasses, and he had, like, superimposed his face over a beautiful sunset, and then there was, like a like, a clip art bald eagle flying in the it was a great business card. It was a great business card. It was a great business card. I think I still have it at home somewhere. I like to pull it out and show it to people occasionally. Oh, man. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. That would be terrible. Would I be really so hope he doesn't. Yeah. I imagine there's a few guys named Tim listening, and they're all, like, waving their hands at their, like, significant other saying, it wasn't me, I swear. <laughs> Anyways, so how many miles is Lake Ontario? Um, Lake Ontario, I think it's going to be a really great rehab lake. Um, oh, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but I actually tore my ACL about two and a half weeks after we finished Lake Superior. I, um, I got back from the trip and I was feeling all invincible and, uh, I tried to, I, I play roller derby and I tried to take out a girl two and a half times my size and I tore my ACL. So, uh, I'm kind of recovering and I think Lake Ontario is going to be a really great, Rehab Lake because it's only 660 miles and it's highest of the Great Lakes. So um, it's not going to be by far as hilly as Lake Superior was, and it's not going to be as far. So I don't think it'll be as taxing on my knee. Um, so it's only about you know 660 miles. Okay, and then how many days do you guys think? How many days are you planning for that one? I think we have about nine days. Um, considering that we're going to have one day of travel there and then about, you know, seven days of riding and then one day to travel back home. Okay. I, d I definitely will have to have you back on the show because I'm sure that regardless of how flat the terrain is or how, how many days shorter the trip is, I'm sure you'll have more stories. Um, I know that I have to wrap this up in a little bit, and once again, I forgot to talk about a lot Um and I know we had a giveaway that I forgot to mention. I'm a yeah. horrible radio host. We can mention <laughs> but, uh, it now. <laughs> what did you say? We could mention it now. We could mention um, it now. Um, the well, the we first could... person that emails me, uh, jill at adabike.com, and emails their favorite part about the show, um, will win a Park Tools bottle opener. That's that. it. And Ben will post on um, the Girls and Gears website um, the, Jill's email address 
and he'll and Joe will announce the winner. Um, before you guys go, tell me what your dream bike packing trip is. Like, if you could do anything, what would it be? Um, Jill, you go first. Well, I'm actually. Um, I, there's so many trips that I want to go on. Um, I'm really, really excited to try my hand at the Tour Divide once I finish all of the Great Lakes. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be the fastest one. Um, oh, sorry. I don't know if I'm going to be the fastest one, but I just I want to try it. I've you know heard a lot about it, and it just seems like a lot of fun. That that would be awesome. I think you would love that one. And then Emma. Um. I don't know. I, maybe I'd love to cycle around Europe some, um, anywhere in Europe, really. Or maybe I should do John O'Groats to London, which I think is about the same distance as uh, Lake Superior, uh, which is just in England, kind of from one end of England to the other. Um, of the UK, sorry. <laughs> one end of the UK <laughs> to the other. Um, just for kind of nostalgia's sake, you know. But uh-huh. yeah, I, don't have any, I don't have any huge aspirations as yet. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that is okay. You've already, I mean, you've already done a lot more than what most people can say they've ever done, Emma. That's weird. So weird. I don't know how. Uh, so do you plan to stay here in the States real quick? Oh, for, good. for the time being, for the time being, I think my husband wants to go to graduate school in Europe, so I might be upping sticks within the next few years but obviously I have to stay and finish the Great Lakes with Jill so I have no choice <laughs> that, yeah, is, that is true <laughs> and Jill um, one last thing you plan to gain a tattoo of all the lakes is that true um, once you're done or I think that would be really really fun uh, Emma and I keep talking about how we need to get a Lake Superior matching tattoo but we haven't quite come up with one yet um, yeah I'll get all the Great Lakes when I finish them why not <laughs> awesome <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks, Danielle. It was a lot of I fun. I appreciate thank you. it, <laughs> No problem. Um, once again, you can email Jill um, if you want your chance to win a giveaway. And, Jill, what was your email address again? Uh, it's just jill at com. Awesome. All right. And thanks, everyone else, for listening in to another show of Girls and Gears. Um Hopefully there'll be another one soon if Ben doesn't fire me, but thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Talk to you later.